Good morning, Whitworth. Good morning. Hi. Hi. Uh, it's good to be together. Um, I'm Kent, and uh, we've been this semester going through the Gospel of Luke, uh, an incredible uh, book of the Bible. And today we're in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 15. And let me read to you uh, verses 1 and 2. Here's how it reads. Luke chapter 15, 1 and 2. Now the tax collectors and the sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. Once again, uh, the Pharisees are absolutely undone. They had absolutely the wrong estimation of how God actually rules. And so in response to their muttering, Jesus tells three stories of being lost and being found. These are all in Luke chapter 15. Story number one. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he keep, doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go look for the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. And then he calls his friends and his neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me, I have found my lost sheep. I tell you that in the same way there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. By the way, if Jesus told this story at this party people would have cracked up. This is hilarious. Because there's no way a first century shepherd or any shepherd in any century would leave 99 sheep in the open country, by the way. That's like 360 degree attack potential. And go after one stupid sheep. And secondly, you would crack up because you would never throw a party for that stupid sheep. I mean, can you imagine? Shepherd Steve decides to throw a party. So you all come. He's never thrown a party before. You walk in, there's caviar, the wine is flowing, the music's bumping. I mean, the waiters and waitresses are just the little hors d'oeuvres all around. You're wondering, what in the world? He must have won the, the, the lottery. He's been doing a lot of scratch tickets. Oh, or, oh I bet he's going to put a ring on it. He's been dating Margaret for a long time. He's going to announce his engagement. All of a sudden, you know, ding, 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 ding. Shepherd Steve calls everybody together and says, hey, well, come up here. I have a little announcement. You walk up. And Shepherd Steve says, suppose you're wondering why we're throwing this party. Well, I have an announcement to make. Just a minute. Check this out. This dumb sheep ran off, and I left 99 of them. <laughs> no wolves came, but I found this one. It took me forever. This one. <laughs> Drink some more. Party down. Woo! <laughs> you would leave that party talking to your buddy. Steve is the stupidest shepherd. Who would do that? I mean, everybody knows you don't throw a party for a stupid sheep. That sheep is a runner. 
if it's run once, it's going to run again. We should have slaughtered that sheep and ate it at the party because that's going to be nothing but trouble. I mean, who would do anything like that? Well, God would. God is a crazy shepherd. Story number two. It's about a woman who loses a coin. Now, we don't have time to read it all. It's a short little story about a woman who loses this coin in her house, and she searches all around all day, can't find it. It gets dark. She gets a lantern, continues to search with a little lantern and a little broom, sweeping it until she finds it. And I'll just say this in lieu of time, that the point of these two stories is a very simple one. It's to show that what God thinks is worth finding and what the Pharisees or what we think is worth finding might be absolutely opposite. And in fact, it raises the question as to what is more lost, stupid sheep or little coins or self-righteous and all that and more Pharisees. The last story, number three. This is the one we're the most familiar with. It's the parable of the lost son. I think it should be titled The Parable of the Lost Sons. You know the story well. The youngest of two sons, he's a little crazy. He's a little rebellious. He's got this little knucklehead, uh, wanderlust sort of idea. He's uh, just not digging being on the farm. And he comes up to his father one day and says, give me my share of the inheritance now. And we know this, that that was pretty rude. I mean, basically, if you're saying, hey, dad, give me my share of the inheritance, you're saying, how long are you going to live? And maybe, in fact, I wish he were dead because I want the money now. Because I need to get off this farm and I need to get down to New York City because there's a party going on and there's some money that I can invest and I got to get my life going. And the dad gives it to him. I mean, this dad gives him the money, and the crazy begins. I mean, he heads off to New York, leaves the farm, he parties down, he invests his money, he's going to every nightclub, every bar, he buys a Mercedes. It's going great for, I don't know, a couple years it was great, until 2020 pandemic. COVID hit the city, the nightclub shut down, his investments were gone, and he finds himself on a pig farm, feeding pigs so hungry he's eating the slop from the pigs and he had a moment and this was not an easy decision i mean what if you told your dad off took his debit card rung up fifty thousand dollars of it down in la and then got kind of freaked out because you lost it all and came back home and knocked on the door hi dad he's got a big decision but he decides even my dad's hired hands have more than I have. I, I'm going to die. So he heads back and he practices his speech. Verse 18. I will arise and go to my father and I will say to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and before you and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Just, just make me like one of your hired servants. He is convinced that he is no longer worthy to be called his father's son. A surprise. 
And you get this picture in the text that every night the father gets up on that little flat roof of those Palestinian homes and just is looking out at the horizon, wondering where his son is every night for I don't know how long, two years. And finally, one day there's a dot. And he looks and he says, I think that's my son. And the story says this, the father said to his servants, runs over and grabs the son. I mean, you can imagine if you're the son thinking, my dad is running, you know, you're thinking, he's running at, he's running at me. You know, you're wondering what he's going to do. Oh, you're lucky I'm not God. Because I would have punched you in the face. And I would have said, get off my property till you pay back what you owe me. But this dad throws his arms around his son before he can even get his speech out. And then calls the servants and says, hey, put a ring on it. Let's get some sandals on his feet. Bring out the finest robe. Let's kill the, the best fatted calf. We're going to barbecue down and have a party. Let it roll right now. And the party began. And the father says this, for my son was dead and he's alive again. He was lost and he's found. And the party started bumping. And here's the big moment. The younger son has to decide whose version of the story he's going to believe. His version or his father's version. The I'm not ready to be called your son version or the robe ring sandal wearing son story who was dead but is alive again, who's lost and now is found. I mean, is this a trick? Would a father truly act this way? Don't we like the older brother? He's kind of like me, the older brother. I mean, he's the good Christian boy who stayed home. He obeyed. But there's a decision that this older brother has to make as well. Here's the story. The older brother heard the party going on, and he comes to where it's all happening, and Luke chapter 15, verse 28 says this. The older brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him, but he answered his father, look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders, yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours, who has squandered your property with, with prostitutes, comes home, you kill the fatted calf and have a barbecue for him. My son, the father said, you're always with me. And everything I have is yours. But we, we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and he is alive again. He was lost and he's found. The older brother had his version of the story. All these years I've been slaving. Slaving. The older brother sees himself as a slave? Really? That's how you describe your life in the father's house? And in one sentence, the father completely tells a different story about his oldest son. My son, you have always been with me and you will always be with me. Everything I have is yours. Verse 31. You haven't been a slave. You didn't need to work. You could have gone off. You could have asked for 10 fattened calves. I would have gave it to you. And here's the big moment. Which version of the story will the old, older brother trust? His version or his father's? The everything I have is yours version or the you're an unfair slave driver version? 
For the younger brother, badness was his problem. Some of us are haunted by the sins of our past. Abuse, shame, failures, addictions, a deep-seated belief that we're not worthy, not good enough to go to that party. And this keeps you out. You don't enter in. Well, the older brother, his problem was his goodness. Some of us feel a little bit entitled, like we've got it all figured out. We, we stayed home and we went to the Christian school, you know, and, and uh, we're living the truth. We keep the rules. We call sin, sin. There's a right way and there's a wrong way. I've got it so figured out and so nailed down that God's kingdom party, ha, huh, well, if you're inviting those kind of people, <laughs> It keeps us out. And you can hear the dad pleading with the older brother. But the older brother refused. I'm not going into that party, dad. Dad, you are so unfair. But the older brother didn't realize that the father didn't set out to be fair in the first place. Grace isn't fair. That's how God rolls. God is profoundly unfair. In fact, that's, over the last couple of years, been my new definition of grace. Profound unfairness. Worship team, you can come up. What Jesus does is confront our version of our story with God's version of our story. And the difference between the stories of the younger son and the older brother is the difference between Heaven and hell. Heaven is realizing God's crazy love for you. Heaven is while you are still a long way off, God runs to you and doesn't even have time for your confession. He just throws his arms around you and throws a party. Hell is showing up at the party but refusing to go in. Hell is the failure to trust God's retelling of your story. There's a difference between entrance and enjoyment. I mean, this isn't about entrance, just getting into the party. I mean, the older brother could have just gotten in, but would he have enjoyed it? There's a difference between being saved and getting into the party and realizing you're loved and jumping into the middle of the dance floor and busting out the nene in the kingdom of God. I mean, the real question this story reveals is this. Who's more lost? The crazy little brother who sinned big time or the good son who stayed home but refused to dance? Amen.